Hello, and welcome to You Philosopher. Today I want to talk with you about something that I think is pretty important, and also topical given that the new Avengers film is coming out, though this talk won't be about the Infinity War. Instead, I thought it would be a nice opportunity to kind of look backwards a bit and to talk about something that happens all the way back in the first Avengers film. <clears throat> and it provides us the opportunity to talk with something to talk about something pretty interesting. So, if you remember, the original Avengers film primarily focuses on Loki being the villain. And the motivations behind Loki being the villain are pretty much entirely a matter of power and him wanting power and greater power so that he can, um, you know, take over the various um, worlds. And of course, I think we're, we're likely to see a parallel with this with Thanos. Now, I have not seen the new film yet, and I'm actually very excited because I should be going tonight. <clears throat> but it seems to me to stand to reason that when we're talking about largely these tra traditional antagonists, that there's this idea that they should be in power, that they're seeking greater power, and that they're going to seek that power through pretty much any means necessary. And Loki uses a particular uh, moment in the film <clears throat> to justify his uh, seeking power in the way that he does. And so to quote him, he's, he's telling this group of people to kneel before him, this group of human beings, and they begin to kneel. And he says to them, is this not simpler? Is this not your natural state? It is the unspoken truth of humanity that you crave subjugation. The bright lure of freedom diminishes your life's joy in a mad scramble for power, for identity. You were made to be ruled. In the end, you will always kneel. And then, interestingly enough, uh, uh, an old German man refuses to kneel, right? And he does this, you know, no, not, uh, you know, not to, I'm not going to kneel in essence, right? Not to men like you, he says. And uh, we can only presume that he's, he's doing so given the fact that being German, right? That he's seen the effects of Nazi Germany. So in our, in our film, watching through the Avengers and, and, and the various uh, iterations of these kinds of, of films, the antagonists tend to usually have some motivation that has to do with the idea that, um, that they should be in charge. And in Loki's case, he gives a particular reason for this, right? He believes that human beings, at the end of the day, are happier when they have someone to look up to, to rule them. And um, the first question we have to ask is, is he entirely wrong about this? Do human beings not feel this need? And there is a whole lot of history that human beings engage in that seems to suggest that human beings are willing to be subjugated, right? Um, to the point where they are willing to, to view their rulers as gods. So uh, Egypt it was a particularly good instance of this. And the idea that People were willing to buy the idea that the pharaoh was in fact a god and um, would in many cases voluntarily lavish praise and love and humble themselves before that human being. And throughout the course of human history we see instances of this, whether it's um, people in Germany being willing to follow Hitler or people being willing to follow Stalin or, you know, take your pick of of our willingness even today in our own society to kind of take people who seem kind of horrible right amongst celebrities and still like laud them and love them and um, worship so many 
celebrities that you that it that often goes to their heads like what about being a movie star makes you someone that we treat as having more importance right you can't walk down the street safely without people wanting your autograph and wanting to know you and wanting to be your friend what about being a singer or a movie star or a tv star brings you that much more worth than say a, a, a neuroscientist or um uh, uh, an iron worker or a teacher. So we do seem to make these people that then we, we want to hold up and love and will often in many cases kind of like do what whatever they say. And so one question is, is Loki uh, entirely wrong about us having that inclination? Now, maybe we do have that inclination, right? Human beings tend to like to have um, a sense of focus and a sense of purpose. And we often tend to look to someone else to give us that sense of focus and purpose, right? We we find an amazing book or we find an amazing person. We're like, wow, I'm really inspired by that person and I want to be like them. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, follow in their footsteps. And so you end up with a, a lot of instances of this that seem pretty beneficent, whether it's people like Oprah, right? Or um, I think, probably even more charitably say someone like Albert Schweitzer and you know so we give them no uh, you know we give someone a Nobel Peace Prize and say that we want to be like them uh, so it's not necessarily always a bad thing that human beings see someone and say I, I, I want to be I want to be like them so what's the problem here because uh, we look at someone like Loki who clearly wants to be in charge and, and seeks that level of power and is willing to do uh, incredible harm in order to gain that power and suggesting that he's really just doing what human beings want. Well, it's important to note that human beings throughout much of the world have also rejected that idea, at least when it comes to um, who rules them, the, the idea that someone else should be in charge of, of that identity, that they're not free to be authors of their own life narrative, that we've, through many countries in the world, embraced the notion of democracy and said, no, I want, I actually want to have ultimate say over who I am and what my purpose is. And I don't really want to kneel in, in front of anyone unless I personally so so choose. And I can also change my mind if that person proves themselves to, to, to be in some way unworthy. And this might be to, to some extent a relatively new motion throughout human society where we have to a very large extent said, I do not want to be a subject. I instead would prefer to be a citizen and that I should actually have the power. So this leads to a couple of interesting things. And one of them, I think, is the realization that we know that not everyone worldwide agrees that the idea that democracy and that we as individual agents in the world should get to decide what happens to us and what the motion of our nation should be and where what direction our culture moves in um, that there are those who don't do not agree with that idea and we generally see them and, and we view them as outside of our own culture and outside of our own country so you know the the, the vladimir putins of the world the you know these various dictators who sometimes call, them call themselves presidents. What is interesting to me about this is, is the fact that we seem to, in our own country, be under the impression that we don't agree about this, that we don't agree on um, 
freedom, that we don't agree with autonomy and self-agency, the idea that we should be the authors of our own life stories. <clears throat> we seem to right now be fighting with these two you know, groups, right, liberal and conservative, and both seem to be kind of accusing each other of being the Loki in the story. In other words, of saying, oh, you really should just let me be in charge and you're, you're all just uh, a, a bunch of idiots. And we seem to be kind of turning on each other. And interestingly enough, I, I was just reading some articles um, by conservative pundits who are arguing that maybe a new civil war is coming up and that these, that these issues cannot be resolved, that, the, that, that they feel very under attack, that they can't go anywhere or view anything, especially in the media, without seeing themselves as being under attack. And that we just need to kind of go our separate ways, that there's no conversation to be had, that there's no, there's no way to, to deal with this problem. And I, I want to disagree with that idea. Now, at least not in this episode, we're not going to look at whether or not any particular group of people is under attack. Um, it seems to me that we could argue that many groups, right, in one way or the other, are, are having, say, fundamental beliefs that are under attack. And that seems fair. So even if it is the case that... that um, many conservatives and many liberals are, are in some way under, culturally under attack, that they're no longer safe to practice their belief set. I think the, the problem is, is that we're also forgetting that liberals and conservatives in this country share core beliefs that are essential to every other argument that they are having. So for instance, take for, it, for the, the issue of gun rights. But there's many conservatives who believe that they're kind of losing this battle, that people are, are going to come in and try and take their guns. And obviously, liberals disagree. And in fact, they're, they're arguing that, you know, the conservatives just want, want to keep their guns and that there's all these, you know, school shootings. And so it just seems like these are completely opposite sides of the argument. But the fact of the matter is, is it's really important to note that both are coming from a, from a key shared belief, which is, is that people should be free. And then the question becomes, well, what is, what is that? What does that freedom mean? Like, and the liberal argument, well, that, that they should have freedom to be able to go places without worrying, like school, without worrying about being shot. And then <clears throat> amongst conservatives, the freedom to protect oneself. And, but it's important to note that not so long ago, the idea of being able to own your own guns to protect yourself from the government would have been considered a very liberal idea. In other words, liberal just like the word libertarian, uh, goes all the way back to enlightenment concepts, you know, so 1700 concepts and, and, and John Locke and the idea of liberty, right? That we have certain fundamental rights. And so the idea that you should be able to have a say over your government and that if your government's doing poorly, you in fact should be able to protect yourself from that government or revolt against that government there was a point in time where that idea was revolutionary and it certainly went against whatever people um, would have considered the traditional or conservative beliefs at the time that, you know, some people were just born better and they were just born into the aristocracy and they were just born nobles, etc., etc. So eventually what ends up happening is, is that that liberal belief becomes one that's worth conserving, right? And so we become conservatives about it and we decide, okay, um, this idea that we should be able to protect ourselves from a, a, a violent or an oppressive regime becomes uh, one that's not really considered a, a liberal one, but is one then that becomes one that we feel like we should conserve. And, and that's 
really key to the idea of conservatism, right? That there are fundamental beliefs and, and more, more importantly, there, there are values and there are rights that in fact should be conserved. And these are not always in tension with liberal belief sets because usually in this country, at minimum, the, the, the at least the, the concept is that the things that we should be conserving are liberty. And so the liberals theoretically are pushing for more liberty. So for instance, like the idea of gay marriage, right? So that people have the freedom to be able to, to make that choice, right? And conservatives are seeking to preserve, conserve the liberties that they have. So if we remember that most of these arguments are in fact at the core, coming, coming from a fundamental place of believing that liberty is a good thing and that liberty is something that everyone gets to have in the country and that what we're really trying to do is figure, what we're really trying to do is try to figure out how to dole it out, right? How, how, how do we make sure that everyone has that liberty? Um, how do we make sure that that liberty doesn't infringe on the liberty of others? But it's really, really important to remember that not everyone shares that view. And when people don't share that view, when they don't, when they don't believe that everyone should have a say and that everyone should be able to kind of determine their own lives and be the authors of their life story, when they don't have that view, that's, that's when you really end up with civil wars. That's when you end up with people who cannot agree. But if we remember that for the vast majority of us, whatever side of the aisle we happen to be, to be on, that we really believe in the notion of freedom and that people should be able to determine their lives and they should be able to live those lives free of oppression and free of oppression by the government or any other social institution, right? You're not really going to get much argument, right? People really do believe for the most part here in the United States that people should be able to speak their minds. We believe that they should be able to worship as they choose, that they should be able to protect themselves from harm, that the government in fact should serve them. We hold those beliefs as shared beliefs. So given that fact, then, we have a starting place that we can, in fact, converse from and that we don't have to break apart. We don't have to say, well, we just have nothing to talk about. And, and here's why this is important. Well, because of the Lokis of the world. In other words, there's all these people external to us who don't hold that fundamental belief set and might actually believe that their idea of um, that they'd be better off in charge is in fact one that should be imposed on us. But it's not just coming from the outside. And that's what's interesting to me. It, you know, I'm not a fan of this idea of like, let's really scare people. Like, let's tell them that other people want to take their liberty. Because to be honest, that's really just a politician tactic. Let's just scare people. Let's promote conspiracy theories. And you see that happen both on the left and the right, whether it's, you know, people saying that Donald Trump is really a Russian agent, you know, out to steal your children or, the, you know, that Hillary Clinton is, is really part of some sort of illicit sex ring or something like that, that these, these are just means by which to scare people, to motivate them to do what we want politically. But it is important to note that, yeah, ex that, that it is entirely possible for some other tyrant, um, like in the case of World War II, to decide that their tyranny should be imposed on us. And that we have to be careful about that. But interestingly enough, here in the States, there are people who also do not believe in democracy and do not believe in those, those freedom ideas of the Enlightenment. 
Um, and, and it's important to note that not even every philosopher agrees, right? So you take someone like Plato, famously in the Republic, he spends a long time. I mean, this is probably one of the most important philosophical texts ever written. In the Republic, he spends a lot of time trashing democracy, arguing that it tends to be mob rule. And there's some disagreement about this, but there is something to be said for the fact that by the end of the text, he shows all these flaws in democracy, but he also points out that the only way that you could even have a text like that, that you could even really have that conversation, would be in a democracy that, that allows for that kind of freedom of speech and where people have a say in what they can say. So the, the reason why I bring all of this up is, is because in, in our own country, right, we have a movement called the Dark Enlightenment. In other words, there are people who believe that we should rebel against those Enlightenment ideals of people have intrinsic rights and that those rights specifically entitle them to uh, say in their own government and that it gives them a right to um, determine their own lives and gives them the, uh, the, the right to a democracy. And in other words, this dark enlightenment idea is one that's basically anti-democracy. And there's, there's, there's a lot of different kind of iterations of it. Some of it is, is about race and some of it is about religion. But most commonly, the, the kind of shared concept is, is that <clears throat> the public at large shouldn't really be able to make decisions for itself. Because the dark enlightenment thinkers tend to be of the belief set that they've realized what actually works best for the country in terms of economy and that the voting public is never going to be smart enough to follow that idea. So what we really need is, in essence, a dictatorship, right? We, we, need, we need an autocrat who will do what is best for the people, in essence, a, a Loki. And I find that interesting because that isn't that uncommon a belief if you pose it in the following way. Sometimes when I, when I teach about fallacies, and we're not going to spend a lot of time with that, but fallacies just being like bad logic, right? Logic that doesn't work, but often people think works and they don't notice it doesn't work. So like a particularly famous example is ad hominem, and that's where you attack the person instead of the argument that they're making, right? So they might make a perfectly cogent argument like, the sky is blue for the following reasons. And then we say, oh, well, you've been cheating on your wife. Why would we ever listen to you? And so people don't listen to the good evidence, to the evidence that's there, and then they're, they're distracted by something that isn't relevant. And there's a whole lot of different ways to do that. But so sometimes I'll ask my students, I'll say, well, imagine that you are like president of the United States and you realize that there's something that should happen that really would be in the best interest of the people, that there's some fundamental you know, important thing that should be done that really is in everyone's best interest. But you realize that if you told everyone, like if you gave them a choice, if you told them the truth, that they wouldn't get it, that they wouldn't make the wisest decision. You know that it's in the best, it's in their best interest, but they probably would, you know, human beings do all kinds of unwise things, you know, eat more chocolate cake than they should and so on and so forth. So, you know, you realize you're in this weird predicament that you, if you use bad logic, if you use fallacies, if you use, you know, in essence, lies to kind of manipulate them, that they'll make the right choice, maybe, but for the wrong reasons, you can kind of get them where they need to go. Or you can tell them the truth, right? You can really show them what's actually the case, but then they'll probably do what's not in their best interest and everyone's host. And so you ask, you know, you ask your students, well, what should you do? And some of them are going to say, well, you know, it's your job to tell the truth regardless. And some of them are going to say, well, um, you, you do what's in, in, in their best interest, even if that means lying to the public. 
and, or manipulating them using like logical fallacy. The difficulty being is, is there's, a, there's a couple of huge problems with that. Um, and, and let me just hit on two of them very briefly. One of which is the, the realization that when you do that, you promote amongst the public basically stupidity. You teach them that there's only one place that they can actually get information, that there's only really one place that they can get truth. You, you encourage them to think poorly so that they can be more easily manipulated by you, which means they can be more easily manipulated kind of by anyone, but also Notice how it serves that dual purpose. It gets you, gets them to do what you want, but also now they're dependent on you for knowledge. They're dependent on you for truth because they kind of can't think for themselves. They don't have all of the information. You've denied it to them or you've encouraged them to think in unwise, logical ways. And so that's one thing that I think when you look at kind of this dark enlightenment push is realize the enlightenment isn't just about the liberty to make your own decisions. It's also about base, like basic educational notions, right? The idea that people should be able to know enough and that they have a right to knowledge and the right to pursue knowledge. And that the only way you get to be that kind of autocrat is if you deny them knowledge. So I think there's a kind of lie there. Like people like people like Loki, people like these dark enlightenment thinkers have to basically ex recognize the fact that at the end of the day, if they want to get what they want, they have to deny knowledge to people. Because if the, the vast majority of people had the knowledge and the power, they probably wouldn't do what we wanted them to do. And there's a lot of evidence to suggest this. Public education here in the States, um, the people who really pushed for free public education initially were business tycoons, kind of like the Carnegies. And they weren't arguing that everyone should get like robust education. They're, they're in fact, they're, there's quotations along the lines of, listen, we're not trying to make lawyers and philosophers and thinkers. We're trying to make people who know enough to work in factories. Another good quote is actually from one president of the United States. Let me read it to you here. <clears throat> we want one class of persons to have a liberal education and we want another class of persons, a very much larger class of necessity in every society to forego the pr privilege of a liberal education and fit themselves to perform specific, difficult, manual tasks. And by liberal education, well, what do we mean? Uh, a, a, an education that includes these liberties, right? The, 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 the things like philosophy and the humanities and all these things that help us explore ourselves and our own narratives and our rights and what, what, our, what our options are and what our choices are and what we can do and who we can be. So that was Woodrow Wilson, right? So that was a president of the United States saying, listen, we want one class that gets to think about these things and know these things, but then we want another class. These people just need to be the workers and we don't want them thinking about this other stuff. And so one realization is, is that when you manipulate the pop, pop, populace in that way, you end up having to, um, you end up having to, uh, to lie to them, deceive them and deny them education. The other thing is, is the realization that you're assuming that you're right. And how do you, how do you even know that? How do you know as for a, a matter of fact that you're actually correct about the thing that they all need to do and the thing that you're trying to manipulate them to get to do? Like you're, you're assuming this, but it is entirely possible that you're wrong. So in other words, you have to place yourself in the position of knowing that you're right and being infallible. Because think about what it means. It means that even if you gave people the information, that rational, informed people would not agree with you. So you have to manipulate them some other way. And so despite the fact that rational, informed people who had all of the information at their hand would disagree with you, you have to decide that you're right and manipulate them anyways. So what does that mean? That means you basically can't be wrong, that you, that you know and that they don't. And again, so 
and that's it's a Loki personality. So part of the whole reason why I think this is so interesting to talk about is the realization that we tend to look on the outside for, well, here's all the danger to um, democracy. But what we don't realize is a lot of it is also coming from the inside, from people in power who believe that you shouldn't be letting the rest of the populace make their own decisions. And that instead of saying, well, I think it's because they're undereducated, so let's do everything we can to create the broadest, strongest educational system possible, it becomes, let's limit their power as much as possible so that we can do what's best for them. And interestingly enough, notice that doing what's best for them tends to actually end up being doing what's best for whoever happens to be the person trying to gain the most power, the Loki in the story. So uh, with that, I wish you a wonderful week.